Negotiate. That's a good word. Play. Another good word. Shared ministry. Well, what actually does that mean? I think we'll explore that a little bit as I go on. But it's also a good word. We'll reach back to the third grade. It's recess, and you're running out to the playground, headed for the swings. But somebody beat you to it. Rats. It looks like the merry-go-round is full, too. Well, my country's school had one merry-go-round and three swings. Not three swing sets, just three swings. To serve about 35 children when grades one and three went outside together. The merry-go-round would merry-go-round would be as packed as a New York train in rush hour. So teachers didn't monitor the playground. Things were different back then. So children had to figure it out for themselves. We had to learn to take turns. For example, sharing came easy for some. For others, there seemed to have been excitement in the challenge of seeing how long they could hang on to a swing before letting someone else have a turn. So where would you have been on that playground? Me? I didn't need the swing myself, but I rounded up the outsiders and told them to come with me. I would see to it that they got on the swing. I doubt I even asked if they wanted to swing. (laughs) I just thought it wasn't fair that they weren't given a chance. Some might say this is called the savior complex. I would yell at the big kid pumping the screechy old swing, take turns. But I don't remember ever actually brokering a swing change. What usually happened is that most of the kids who didn't get to The equipment first formed two lines for the famous Red Rover, Red Rover. Let Sally Jo come over. Do you remember that, the Red Rover? This, when I think of it, was about taking turns. The left side called to the right side, and one person at a time got to take their turn to break through the locked arms of the other. And then it was the other side's turn to call someone over. So zoom in to the present to see that even our democratic processes are about taking turns. Illustrations of back and forth are myriad. Whether voluntarily or not, taking turns seems to be a part of a natural give and take that is either stamped into our DNA or we have been highly acclimated to it How does it find expression in Unitarian Universalist congregations? In the democratic process, we raise issues or present new ideas and make room for community discussion. Then we try to reach consensus or we vote. But the nitty-gritty of how to do it in a way that sustains community cohesiveness can be challenging. And sometimes it's about the distribution of resources. Limited space, limited volunteer energy, limited funds. We can't do it all. So how do we plan in order to do as much as we reasonably can with all the proposals at least getting a hearing? 
Shared ministry maybe is something like that. It's about sharing responsibility. For example, board leadership intentionally rotates according to time frames set in your bylaws. Regular rotation gives each board member an opportunity to share their gift in substantial ways, while knowing that after a certain period, each will be rotated off the board to make room for new ideas and also to give them a chance for a little bit of rest from a very demanding job. Right, Jen? (laughs) And other board members. Rotation allows members opportunity to share their skills in different ways in different places. And I support this approach for the important committee on ministry as well as the board, which we now call the transition team during the interim period. Each year, two or three might rotate off to allow others to serve in that capacity. And I'm so thankful for the new people who have rotated on. Uh, and uh, Zoe Vallette is going to um, uh, going to blow our minds with the things that she brings through this capacity. And uh, just a pre- I don't know if she's here now. She's probably doing something else somewhere in the building. But I appreciate so much what she's brought already. Ministers rotate off and on too perhaps sooner than some would like, and not soon enough for others, but that's a different subject. The second Sunday lunches we enjoy appear on the table because many here are willing to take their turn at providing the food and doing the cleanup, another opportunity to share the load for those who can. Even an annual annual financial pledge may take turns. Those with good fortune financially can often carry more of the load. Or a $400 annual pledge is all you can do right now. So you accept that as your best and feel good about it, knowing that down the road you may have the opportunity to give more again. Taking turns, sharing the load, or picking up the slack for those who need help. Taking turns. The roadmaps are not always clear. So like the children, we adults figure it out as we go. Shared ministry is about everyone in the community bringing their gifts in some way or another. It's about all of us providing spiritual leadership as a community. All of us modeling in our own way what it means to be a part of the Unitarian Universalist world, and all of the outreach that we engage in. And it's about sharing responsibility for the congregation's well-being. This may include bringing good sermons or being available for pastoral care, being an example of living the UU principles, as I just mentioned, trying to keep an overview of congregational life in order to help the larger body function more efficiently and effectively. Being a visible presence in the struggle for peace and justice in the world. Being an inspiration for the children. I know they're an inspiration to us. 
empowering others to be their best self so they can become spiritual leaders in their own right. Being mentors. Staying out of the way or letting go of personal agendas for the good of the whole. Did you notice that all these descriptions can apply to lay leadership as well as professional ministry? Anyone who practices what they preach, who's committed to the spiritual and institutional health of the community as a whole, who's on fire for public witness, also inspires others to be their best self. And that is ministry. Just a century ago, our tradition, like others, had a triune focus, Sunday preaching, visiting the sick and bereaved, and feeding the hungry. Generally, the pastor covered the preaching and hospital visits. Congregants baked casseroles for those who couldn't prepare meals, sometimes sent fried chicken to the minister. That was what religion was about, getting inspired on Sunday, living your values during the week. And this matters to us still today, but in the intervening years, religious groups have added so much more. We want excellent music. We want social time after the service with food. We want classes about Unitarian Universalism and Islam and all kinds of good things. We want programming for children and teens and adults and game nights and film nights. We want discussion groups and advocacy groups that take our message to the streets. We want a full-time house manager who can keep good records of all our business and busyness. We want appliances and air conditioners that are more energy efficient. We want flowing communication and policies and charts and reports. And, and, and no wonder we get tired sometimes. And that's not nearly all we want, but you get the picture. Faith communities in the age of technology and consumerism have veered a long way from the simpler days. I'm not saying let's go back to the simpler days. I'm saying let's remember our own health needs and let's negotiate the shared ministry for optimal outcomes rather than trying to be trying to do the best at everything shared ministry is a way to bring sanity back into a world that has become egregiously complex for this we need power sharing the gift of multiple perspectives Shared ministry nurtures greater inclusivity and provides checks and balances in the democratic process. It can further our personal and spiritual growth with opportunities to practice our skills, yes, our skills especially of negotiation and compromise, as well as skills in deep listening and forgiveness. But how does it help clear a path through the layers and layers of add-ons that I just described. Let's revisit the core reason to be for those universalist and Unitarian congregations a century ago, visiting the sick, 
and feeding the hungry. Even in our own small community, which actually it's not so small, really when you think about it, I think it could be even bigger. Let's say our to-be-bigger community. Even in our own to-be-yet-bigger community, there are always people who have fallen on hard times and would appreciate the help that any of us might give them. There are always people who would appreciate a phone call, a card, and sometimes a visit, maybe an invitation to a movie or a concert. And I believe that you do this well already. So this is a thank you, a reminder that this is so appreciated. This, too, is what shared ministry is about, building relationships and friendships with others in this community. So we take turns with some sharing our energy and expertise through committee work, others sharing their energy and time by extending a listening ear or treating someone to lunch, offering a ride, passing on a favorite book. Sharing the ministry of affirming each other, encouraging each other, and helping each other is an old-fashioned value that we cannot let ourselves get too busy to lose. The old-fashioned values, a lot of them are still very good values. Let's not get too busy to lose them. When it comes down to the basics, this will be the glue that holds the community together. It may be the best way to calm the insanity in our complex world. It does take time and some trial and error to build the kind of implicit trust that makes shared ministry possible. It takes that old-fashioned patience, which is probably one of the most profound spiritual practices anyone can have. Patience. Who in here is good at that? Patience. Good. Okay, thank you, Matthew. (laughs) I know others are too. But I also know we tend to be goal-oriented, always more that we believe we have the capacity to help with. Sometimes we do have that capacity. Sometimes waiting is the right way to go. It's all what we figure out for ourselves Now, we'll be talking more about that as the board shares information about an approach called the program model. For some, that's not a new phrase, but I've noticed that now the library has a book called Governance and Ministry, and this is a book that the board and the transition team are reading right now. If you want to check it out and sort of see what the buzz is about, feel free. If you want to just wait and be told, feel free for that too. We can bet that your next interim minister, as well as the settled minister, will likely come with some growing edges, no matter how long they've been in ministry. And don't forget that she or he also comes with some expertise. May you welcome him or her with gusto. So I'll tell you that often ministers feel underutilized by the congregation that is paying them. And just so you know, your board and transition team are quite eager and energetic, and they have not underutilized me. So don't worry. (laughs) Staying up with them is the challenge. 
And perhaps this is why ministers sometimes refer to themselves as servant leader, because we do wear quite a few hats, and we keep an eye on the big picture. We try as best we can, while also trying to keep things from falling through the cracks from time to time. We even find ourselves on occasion cleaning up. Well, good thing. If we're there, something needs to be cleaned, why not? We find ourselves turning out the lights that the last group forgot to turn off. These things just happen. It's part of our engagement with each other, each doing what we can when we see something that needs to be done. And as you, the members, take this special congregation to the next level with interim minister number two, and then your settled minister, remember that he or she will value the gifts of your shared ministry. You will have so much all ready to go. Those ministers will ask you, what are you doing? What matters to you? And this is part of the work that we're doing now with these meetings after the service. And the board will have the opportunity to negotiate early on the expectations you have of each other. The more clearly that is spelled out at the beginning, the expectations of the new ministers coming in, the better. The history we've heard about has shown differences of style in each of your former ministers. And this suggests that it's not a good idea to assume anything about who your next minister will be. Ministers can be quite varied, and this can be a good thing. Now, once the ministerial search committee has been formed, may the rest of you give them your full support because this is a very demanding job. And one thing I would ask of you is try not to get extra information that they're supposed to hold tightly in their group until they're ready to tell you. Once the votes have been tallied in the end on who will be the next search committee, the many hours of meetings and the sincere support of each other will have well been worth it. In the church world, nobody ever gets all they want, but everybody always gets something. This suggests that an element of play in this work can help make it work. Yes, this is a serious endeavor, and at the same time, it's also the exciting work of imagination and exploration, play, giving your miraculous brain an opportunity to stretch or dig deeper for new discoveries. New discoveries were what our forebearers put their necks on the line for, whether Michael Cervetos or Charles Darwin. They believed that stretching their thought processes would bring new information that could change the course of the current ways or the current perception. You can expect that the new era you're about to enter will be an era of negotiation and the give and take of shared ministry. This means shared leadership, shared stewardship, shared commitment, shared ideas, all to keep this unique tradition 
thriving, and alive. In the Unitarian Universalist tradition, we carry the weight of our own success. We don't expect any other body above us to form what will happen here. We carry that weight. And how does this play out in practice? For one shining example, I point to the religious education program. In this vibrant and thriving world of well-defined programming for each of the classes offered, we see an example of what I would say shared ministry at its best. The program supports a skilled director, a part-time assistant, and many gifted and faithful volunteers who carry out the plans of each class every week. A lot of work there. Everyone who participates in a leadership role knows precisely what their job is, and they know where to go when support is needed. All the teachers know what the expectations are and what the boundaries are. And it's all made clear in writing. I think this is shared ministry at its finest. The members of People's Church truly have so much to be thankful for. Let that sink in. You know it. I've been here long enough to know it. You have so much to be thankful for here. And I hope you will honor your accomplishments by taking some time this week to think about what you personally envision for the next era of People's Church. The sermon next Sunday will look at how one moves into that place of imagining what you could be. May all the new thoughts invigorate your dependable brain, and your kind heart. May the peace that comes with that soul-searching wrap you in gentle care of yourself. May the peace that comes with that soul-searching wrap you in gentle care of yourself and for each other throughout this day and all the days to follow.